All right, hi people. Um, welcome to another off-season episode um, from the Yellow Peel Podcast. Change a bit of the settings of the mic just to deal with ambient sound. So hopefully this goes well. If not, you know it is what it is. All right. Um, you know what? Let me just check it and come right back. All right. So we're good. We're good. 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 All right. Hi, people. Um, welcome to another episode again of the Yellow Pill Podcast. We're still in the off season. A lot has been happening, as you keep hearing me and Wally say. Um, but I think we're getting to a place where we can actually start to put things together for the new season. I don't want to give too much away, but. Your boys will be back with you, like two of us on the same sort of like, you know, recording. We'll be back again with you soon. I feel like Wally might also record a monologue in between this period. But um, give or take, I think we probably will be back in the new year with like the real season. So like a new year, new season kind of vibe, uh, which hasn't happened before. I think we're always like halfway in between by the time it's the new year. So maybe that's something different to look forward to. Anyways, today we're going to be talking a bit about marriages. Actually, no, wrong weddings because they're different right so marriage is obviously the act itself the wedding is like the ceremony and the things that come with it and i'm going to be focused on maybe the symbolisms the rituals and some of like the pageantry of it all um but bear with me it might be a scatterbrained episode but as always i'll try to walk you through my thoughts as always and maybe this will take like 15 20 minutes as always but anyways enjoy the ride um so what inspired this so last weekend, depending on where you're listening to this, I w- attended a wedding, but not just attended a wedding. I was part of the groom's men. Um, and honestly, it was a lovely experience. It was really amazing. I'm really thankful to my friend, Bami, shout out to you. I got married and, you know, granting me the honor of being a part of the celebration with him and, and his wife, uh, Vanessa, right now. I just name dropped them, but anyways, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was a really lovely, um, you know, time, the entire weekend from the traditional to the wedding ceremony itself um, and then Thanksgiving dinner, uh, Thanksgiving lunch that they had on the Sunday after. Um, So the thing is, if you know me, I, this is like the first wedding I have attended, like actually attended um, in the last God knows about six, seven, eight years. And I almost make it a thing to say, oh, I don't do weddings and things like that. And generally, um, I just, there's, there's a bunch of reasons. And I think if you look at previous episodes, I think Wally and I did an episode around marriage at some point. And I did share a bit about my thoughts around like the ceremony of weddings and things like that. And I think generally I've just been a bit averse to the, the show of it all. A lot of times I'm not generally one to like big parties and things like that. And so the idea of big weddings and big ceremonies just scares me a lot. And whenever I'm having conversations with, uh, with people and stuff, I always mention it that, oh, I don't want a big wedding and things like that. And obviously, I think, you know, with most uh, women, um, even though that's starting to change, I think obviously growing up, the idea of the perfect wedding, um, dreaming of a wedding dress, I think all of those things contribute to how much more uh, women and girls, you know, really want a wedding ceremony. and it's a significant thing they look forward to guys not so much um and so i know it's easy for me to say oh i don't want a big wedding and things like that but i've always kind of like made it a thing and almost it's almost almost like a not a decision tree but if i'm talking to someone and they're like they really want a big wedding and i can see it's something they truly desire in my head i'm like yeah this probably isn't going to work out and that might feel like a very trivial thing but 
I'll break things down and, you know, I guess we'll see why. But anyways, being a part of this wedding with my friends uh, this past weekend, honestly, it was lovely. And I was telling someone that I feel like I've hacked or figured out a tiny hack for me personally when it comes to weddings. It's that um, obviously I, I personally don't want a big wedding ceremony. Um, and also, I don't necessarily enjoy being a guest at weddings per se, because you're almost always sitting and waiting for something to happen. Um, it's always just rowdy and not necessarily one for big crowds and everything. But being a part of the wedding in the form of a groomsman, uh, maybe not a bridesmaid because they do a lot of work. But for the groomsman, I think, <laughs> you know, you're you're the center of attention, but not the main center of attention. Um, and everybody is sort of like there to be something, to be a part of something that you're a significant part of. And so the waiting around, you don't have to do that much waiting around and you're kind of like always involved and always busy doing something. And so it just feels for, for me, it felt like a more active weekend in a kind of way, although the build up to it was a bit stressful, um, in that kind of way, like the additional things we had to do and stuff and all of those things. But generally I think I figured out that being a groomsman can sort of like you know, it's like a halfway point for me to be a part of wedding without, you know, being dramatic or whatnot. Anyways, but that's not the point of this conversation. I think I just wanted to talk through the different things I was thinking about throughout the weekend um, and trying to maybe re retake a position on weddings and see if being a part of this one that I was on for the first time in like five or six years would help me sort of like recalibrate my expectations and maybe what I now want. Um, but I'm just going to walk you through all of that. So. I'll start with some of like the things I now spotted. Because again, like I said, it's been five years since I attended and was a part of a wedding. So I'd always seen it from a distance um, for the last like five or six years. And so now that I've started to deep things a lot more, being a part of one allowed me to see certain things and just, you know, try and think through what was happening. So one thing that I know, you know, stood out for me was I actually appreciated the ceremony of um, some parts of it, particularly the specifically what was happening in the church side of things. Um, so uh, my friends got married in, in a Catholic church. So it was a Catholic wedding, like it's a church setting. Um, and from what I remember from attending, like funny enough, I think the last one I attended when I was actually present at the church was probably a Catholic one as well. Was it? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, but you know, there was a sequence of events and Catholics really love to keep to town at the time. So that was brilliant. Um, and you know, there was a whole procession. So we started off with uh, the processional, which is everyone walking in. Um, then, you know, there were, you know, other entrants, the reading of scripture, pastor, uh, the priest delivering the word, um, you know, there were, there was exchange of vows, the standard one we're all familiar with, um, you know, exchange of rings as well. Um, Catholic church, they always add something called the sign of the peace, uh, communion was served. Uh, there was a kiss, uh, there was a nuptial blessing and then the recessional, which is everybody that came in initially, you know, walking out. And all of that took about two hours. And I think for me, the ceremony and the ritual of it all um, was, was, was nice. Like, I think every time I've thought about like a wedding or me having a wedding ceremony, I think I always focus a lot what I try to avoid or what I'm not necessarily, you know, looking forward to a lot of times is the, is the show and the pageantry and the hosting guests. I think that part, but the ceremony of it all, I think I still appreciate that. Um, which is why for me, I would always say, yeah, like a court wedding, still get the uh, an officiating minister, um, do all of that. And, you know, everybody and a small reception after. That's how I've always thought about what I want. But anyways, um, this is not about me specifically. But um, anyways, let's dive into weddings a bit deeper. Now, in the US, I think the average cost of a wedding ceremony is around $30,000. 
Um, for context, that's kind of like what it costs to get a master's degree from, say, a mid-tier school in the U.S. or U.K. as an international student. And that's not counting accommodation. But yeah, that's what usually gets spent on wedding ceremonies. Um, and that, you know, usually is heavily leaning on the cost of catering, the cost of the venue, the wedding planners. You know, I'm just going to say here that um, the wedding industry is, is like, it's almost, I don't know what, 70 something billion dollar industry. And, you know, weddings happen every weekend and things like that. And so I think, you know, at some point, I feel like economics has, and like the whole capitalism has sort of like taking a hold of weddings. I know you, you know, there's a story going on around, or, you know, there's, when it comes to diamond rings and all of those things, like, you know, it was a commercial thing. Like there was nothing symbolic or like a deep meaning behind it, but a diamond company in South Africa did a marketing campaign um, and I, on the idea around diamonds being forever. And, you know, that just kind of like latched on and stuff. So anyways, that's a small sidetrack, but wedding ceremonies are super expensive. Um, and the bigger they get, the more expensive they are. And for me, I just always think about it and I'm like, well, you know, it's really the parts about a wedding ceremony that legalizes the experience that makes it, you know, legal in the States and the eyes of the law. Those parts are not expensive. <laughs> yes, you pay a fee, you, you know, pay, get a certificate and things like that. Uh, but all of that doesn't require what I would call the pageantry that comes with ceremonies and things like that. And, you know, some people live for the pageantry, but you know, I feel like sometimes that has put a lot of pressure on some people. Where some people don't even, they, they are ready to get married, but because they don't have enough money to throw the kind of, I guess, ceremony they think they want or all of those things, they delay for some times. In the US, it's almost about some wedding, some venues being booked for the next one year or two years. And so you have to set your date after, you know, you get the real venue that you want. And there's just all of that jazz that goes with on that as well. But if we strip all of that away, you know, what do we think the purpose or what do we assume the purpose of a wedding is, right? Um, you know, I read an article and they sort of like summed it up in three things that I think make sense. So to celebrate a marriage, right? Um, which is the actual thing everyone is there for. The wedding is really just a ceremony. Um, it's kind of like the bride's day. So to showcase the bride and everything, you know, the pageantry, like I said. Um, and it's also like a ceremony of spoken promises uh, with witnesses being present. Um, because to make a marriage legal, usually it has to be in person. Both people have to be present. Um, they have to obtain a license. They pay a, SME, a small fee sometimes, uh, and they make it official with um, the authority of an officiant and their witnesses they at least wanted to. So that's pretty much what you need for something, for a wedding or a marriage to become official in that sense, right? And so everything else, like I said, is sort of like pageantry. I'm going somewhere with this, so just you know, bear with me for a second. Um, and so when we think about wedding ceremonies, sometimes, you know, I think we've done, we've kind of like gotten to the two day, three day thing. So there's the, you know, the registry, you do the traditional, then you do the white wedding, you know, the church. I don't know if that's what people call the white wedding, but there's a church and then there's a reception afterwards. Um, and something they do here in Ghana is like a Thanksgiving thing, um, you know, on the third day, but some cultures, you know, extend this. I think, you know, um, the Indian culture. Yeah. I think they do like a week sometimes. Um, I think in Yoruba, I can't remember, but I know, I remember like Yoruba history and all of that. Some weddings, like, you know, there were days, each day had something that was supposed to happen. And most of it was like a ritual. And then there was a bit of pageantry involved and all of that. But these days, I think what's being celebrated a lot more when we think about wedding ceremonies in our day and age is a lot of the pageantry, right? 
Um, and I guess the rituals sort of like provide some form of stability and consistency. So obviously like, you know, when you think, when you think back on your wedding day, if you didn't have a very big wedding or if you didn't do any ceremony, I guess some people feel like, you know, what are you then looking back to in that sense? It, maybe some people don't think ab- about it because, you know, I think in my family, um, my brothers and sisters can correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody necessarily had like a big wedding. I think everybody probably did like a court thing and a small reception after um, and sent everybody else pictures. Like, yeah. So for me, I've always like thought, yeah, that's like normal. But then, you know, you then come out of your immediate circle and start to see that people share different perspectives about these things. Um, okay. I'll just, you know, I think I've laid a bit of the groundwork in, in a way um and i'm just going to talk through a few things and at the end of the day i would share something that i found which is like 13 fact um history of marriages and stuff and then maybe you know just trends in weddings wedding trends through the ages uh but i'll, I'll wrap the, this episode off with that but let me just really come in to share my thoughts really properly here um so as you've probably like observed or listened, if you listen to all to this point, you realize that um, I tend to be very functional in the way that I think and look at things, particularly things that involve even emotions and things like that. And, you know, when it comes to this idea of wedding ceremonies and things like that, I have never, like for me, it's hard for me to place a reason why a wedding ceremony needs to be as big as it tends to be. Um, and the pageantry of it all, um, it's nice. You know, I loved dressing up, you know, last weekend and stuff, but it's like, you know, sometimes that comes with a lot of stress as well. Um, one thing I always like to point, I like to point out on one of my reasons before was, you know, if you look at the couple, a lot of times leading up to a wedding ceremony, um, for some people, um, it's a, it's, it can be very stressful, right? Um, there's a lot of stress on either party to make sure it's a good event and you're essentially like playing host. It's supposed to be a special day, but you pay for the kids, right? You've done everything, but you're essentially hosting your friends and family um, who've come to celebrate with you. And that's all nice, but you're still playing host at the end of the day. And I think for me, that's the thought that just gets to me sometimes that, you know, I want the day to be about like, you know, I guess it should be about me and the person I'm with. Um, and sometimes the bigger the ceremony and the more planning has to go into it, the less it becomes about, you know, you guys or, you know, the people involved. Some people, you know, again, they've always wanted this. And so th- just to throw a disclaimer out here, I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on weddings and things like that. Like I said, I, you know, it's always a beautiful experience. I loved being a part of what I was a part of, you know, la- last weekend. Um, but I was just thinking like, okay, the flip side of it, what is the flip side of things at the end of the day? Because, you know, you're then the, first of all, I didn't like being the center of attention that much in, in the way that, you know, weddings tend to place the couple at the center. Um, and you know, there's just a lot of things that are within or without your control, um, on that day. And maybe again, maybe I'm overthinking things so much, but I don't know. The idea just is, I feel like we've placed a lot of pressure on a lot of things that are really just like rituals and parts of things that people have known and come to expect. Um, but you know, it should be okay as well to not want to do those things. Um, and I guess, you know, that's kind of like fine. Like, you know, um, I've had conversations with people and when it comes to this idea of like a wedding and things like that, like 
my position always seems a bit weird. Like, you know, what are you running away from? Like, oh, and there's this statement that they always make, like, oh, it's not your choice, right? So it's the it's what the it's, it's what the wife wants or what the wife's family wants and things like that. And I, I agree with that. And I think one of the compromises it, I think I'm willing to make is if the if the bride's family or whoever who wants a wedding ceremony is willing to put everything together without me being a part of it, even monetarily or whatever. And all I have to do is like show up. All we have to do as a couple is show up and be a part of the show. Um, I'm probably going to be open to it a lot more than I am right now. I think what I'm just pushing against is like, you know, it's not an, it's not exactly a requirement. And for certain kinds of profiles and personalities and people like me, it's, it's, it's an intense experience in that way. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want a day that's supposed to be like great for me to now be shadowed by all of these things is how I like to look at things. Um, and when people say, oh, it's what the wife wants and things like that. You know, I mentioned earlier, I think sometimes when I'm talking to people, it's, not, it's actually an active filter. Like maybe I'm being very practical about it now and I'll fall in love with someone and whatever the person wants, I'm going to be willing to do it and all of those things. Maybe, I don't think it's that black and white, but anyways, I feel like even now, um, these are conversations that I like to even lay up up front. Like I'm not saying I'm going to marry you, but you know, what kind of wedding do you want and things like that? Because I feel like there's a lot of things that go into that and the person wanting what they want. And me being me, I would challenge certain things you're saying. Like if you say you want a big wedding, I'll, I'll ask why. You know, why, why, why do you want what you want? Um, because for a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people have questioned that enough. Um, and again, you know, this is not to say big weddings and big ceremonies are bad or whatever it is. I'm just saying like, you know, the why sometimes is also important um, because, you know, statistics also shows, and this is very US centric. Um, that couples who spent more than twenty thousand um, dollars on their, you know, wedding ceremony, and this was like a sample size of maybe five thousand people, um, were three point five more likely to get divorced. Um, same with couples that spent a lot more on engagement rings. Now, the idea wasn't so much about the amount being spent uh, from from what the study was saying, but it's about the stress that money matters tend to produce and influence or impose on certain situations. Um, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that sometimes when you look at people in the leading up to their wedding ceremony, there's a lot of stress that comes with that. Um, and that stress, you know, does linger around even after the day's over and after everybody has gone back to their house and things like that. Um, and for me, I, I'm just like, you know, if I don't have to do that, why? <laughs> why can't I put myself in that situation? Um, and I don't know, there's just a lot of, I, I'll probably stop it here and just go into the wedding trench through the ages things just to lighten things up a bit but i think what i was just trying to you know maybe share here is um for those who do or do not want big weddings and things like that like you know why is it that you want what you want or don't want what you want um and you know of what importance does it play to you if it or it does or does not happen um you know because for me you know i was telling someone that when i was maybe maybe six seven eight years ago um i wanted a small and I still do want a small wedding or things like that, um, you know, if I do get married and everything. Um, but I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't factoring in a lot of things. Like right now, when I think about marriage, um, <laughs> the, there's a lot of things that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about, you know, the fact that it's two families, you know, becoming one. Um, I'm thinking about all the steps that lead up to, you know, asking the person to marry you and things like that, you know, meeting the family um getting families involved 
um you know all the other like even like the woman having to change her name and all of those things like <laughs> i guess the practicality of all those things tend to stress me out which someone else will say look you know when you get there you would you, it, it would come and it would go like yeah some things almost like when you're in secondary school thinking about writing jump like it feels like you know the whole world leans and requires on that moment because you haven't faced it before but after you get through there you realize there's way more things in front of jump you know and you're not wondering why you put so much like intensity on that period itself and i do get that and that's life in general but it is what it is sometimes anyways um i'll leave it at that um you know it's quite interesting because i did one episode about practical love and a framework and now i'm doing something that you probably will call like a practical wedding um <laughs> uh, but anyways my, my my idea of a wedding and you know someone has told me how impractical some of what i wanted was because i initially i used to see like 20 people on the beach but that means uh, people not wearing shoes it gets very sandy the sand like the idea of the beach and getting married on the beach seems like straightforward but the practicalities of it to be fair it's like a bit you know up and downish so maybe I'm I'm leaning away from the beach idea and moving towards still a destination wedding, small crowd of maybe like 30, 20, 50 people thereabouts. Um, and just, you know, something simple. Simple is always it for me in that way. But anyways, um, I feel like everybody in my family has had a simple wedding. So I, I want to <laughs> jump on top of that and not be the the sore thumb that sticks out. Anyways, um, to wrap up the episode, I'm going to, I found this very interesting article on ask.com. And it was looking at wedding trends through the ages, from the 1900s to today, and just like big things that stood out in those periods. And um, that was cool. Anyways, uh, so from 1910 to 1917, and again, these are very US-centric. They're the ones that go do all of these things. And I think our culture is heavily Western-influenced for the most part. And so some of it might not be necessarily applicable, so I might skip through some of them. Uh, but, you know, I think early on, there was a lot of like wartime romances because, you know, this was the 1910s and 1917s. Um, weekday weddings were also quite common around that period. From 1918 to 1919, uh, bridesmaids started to match the bride in terms of the dresses that they wore. Um, so, you know, it's some say that the bridesmaids acted as decoys at the altar to keep the couple safe from harmful spirits, quote unquote. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Then in the 1920s, um, short hemlines became common. So I know when, now when we think about wedding dresses, it's like, you know, very long, flowy, all of those things. Um, but, you know, 1920s, short hemlines were common. In 1922, the Princess Mary of England, um, they had the wedding of the year. Um, why was that? Uh, bridal party carried a bouquet of roses and long ribbons, um, another trend at the time. In 1925 to 1929, the wedding registry was invented and the stock market crashed. Um, oh, interesting. So obviously the wedding registry where, you know, I think, what is that again? Um, you know, I think the couple states what they want or they open something where you can then give gifts and pick the gifts that they've specified that they wanted and things like that. So practical stock market has crashed around that period probably like <laughs> gives a lot more credence to that anyways. The 1930s, lavish weddings included white cake, and prohibition was over, so, you know, they could serve alcohol and all of those things. And a wedding cake covered in white frosting symbolized wealth. And that's another trend that I feel like popped up quite a bit, where a lot of things about weddings was about showing wealth and status. Um, and some of it started with the royals. And as more affluent people started to reach those levels as well, they started to, um, you know, get into that as well. Things about wedding dresses, I think, being white. 
Because if you think about it, <laughs> you can only use a wedding dress once. People still talk about, you know, uh, you know, giving it to the next person, the next person. But after like a couple of generations, styles tend to go old. I think we've seen many rom-coms about people not being able to use old wedding dresses. Um, but yeah, wedding dresses being white were only like a rich people thing because they could afford to have it even cleaned after and things like that. But wedding dresses were more like your best clothes of the day um, that you had. You would wear it on your special day, but it will still be something you could wear to other places as well. Functional. Um, anyways, then 1931s to 1938, Las Vegas became the marriage capital of the world and wedding dresses weren't always white. Um, 1939, uh, that's the war again. Wartime weddings were hastily planned. And wedding bands became common for men. So apparently men didn't used to wear the wedding bands before. Um, then we go to, let's skip a bit. 1947, a diamond is forever campaign boosted the demand for diamond engagement rings. So I think I mentioned this earlier. So while it was already common at this time to propose with an engagement ring, most rings featured rubies or sapphires. Um, then a copywriter from De Beers, a diamond company, changed the ring game when a diamond is forever was written and campaigned in 1947. Uh, the advertisements portrayed a diamond ring as a promise of everlasting love and companionship. Uh, the company also promoted celebrities wearing diamond rings, which inspired middle-class earners to purchase these bands. Interesting. Um, then in 1950s, we had Elizabeth Taylor popularize the sweetheart neckline. I don't know what that is, ladies. Uh, oh, okay. That looks like a really low neckline. Nice. Um, then 1951-1953 extra vacant dresses returned in full force and the Kennedys were in vogue um, so extra vacant gowns made a comeback in this period uh, ball gowns featuring off shoulder collar or scooped neckline um, then in 1954-59 short hemlines were popular again so it's like just things are just like repeating themselves so I think right now in most like Western societies, we're seeing more like simple wedding dresses, very different. You know, I think Issa Rae had a very different wedding dress when, you know, and royals obviously always try to go very big and large and all of those things. And everybody always compares or oh, which prince's new wife or whatever had a better dress than the other and whatnot. But anyways, these things circle round and round according to this thing I'm reading. Um, 1960s. Fashion highlighted high empire waist gowns and wedding playlists grew. Ooh, okay, 1960s music. Then 1970s, the bride and grooms had many different choices of wedding attire. Okay, flexibility. 1970s, that's probably like the hippie years as well. 1973, princess and wedding dress influenced fashion and headpieces gained popularity. Ah, okay, yes. So veils and things like that. 1976, brides embraced natural makeup and traditional venues changed um ooh, interesting interesting so couples commonly wanted outdoor wedding ceremonies which took place in the backyard or beach outdoor weddings remain popular till these day interesting so i think before a lot of people weddings used to end maybe at the church or something um 1978 romantic playlists grew and disco music started to dominate weddings okay this is very u.s centric 1980s fashion got bigger and princess diana had a fairy tale wedding um, so wedding trends in the 80s focused on large styles. Um, you know, I think this focuses a lot more on the dress. So I think Princess Diana, I'm looking at a picture now, has a very puffy dress with puffy sleeves and all the, whatever that material is everywhere. 1981 to 1989, wedding videos and extravagant weddings became popular. My God. 
So lovebirds could relieve their special day over and over again by recording it on Sony's new consumer camcorder. Interesting. Again, how technology and things changing and coming in influences the trends and things that we associate with some of these traditions. Um, you know, just one of those things. 1990s, Vera Wang started a bridal collection and movies added to the wedding industry frenzy. Oh my God, this is so true. Um, I think Hollywood has definitely in recent times influenced a lot about what people think and desire and want in their ceremonies. And I guess it just goes back to what I said about like, if you're not a person that is like drawn and attracted to and influenced by these things, like the pageantry of it all, you know, stresses me out, like thinking about it. Oh my God. Like, uh, let me know. Get started. 1994 to 1995. Celine Dion's wedding attire stood out and the gift registry went online. Aha, technology changing things again. 1996 to 1999, brides opted for spaghetti straps and carried smaller bouquets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I remember in primary school, spaghetti straps used to be like such a thing that, <laughs> they used to be such a thing. In 2000s, friends made disposable cameras popular and strapless dresses became a favorite. All right. A lot of these things about, are about wedding dresses changing styles. Then in 2002-2005, traditional wedding cakes are out. People grew obsessed with wedding cupcakes in 2000s. Oh yeah, that's true. Maybe not so much. I think in Nigeria, we started to do both. So you have like the main cake, but then that's not really not, that's not what gets cut and served around. You then get your own cake in boxes and things like that. Functional, but still weird. Anyways, 2006-2009. Honey Fund made it easier to gift money and the media fooled the wedding industry craze. Um, money was also a popular option for a wedding gift, but people felt awkward giving a gift or like a cash or check. Um, so Honey Fund made contributing easier than writing a check. You cannot help fund more than a honeymoon. Oh yeah, this is quite popular now where, you know, guests, you know, wedding, people that get married create uh, like a page, a wedding page, put pictures, put their journey and there's a way you can give. There's also the gift registry and all of that jazz. Uh, 2010, Pinterest exploded and changed wedding planning, mood boards, and things like that. 2011 to 2012, Prince William and Kate tied a knot. Wedding blogs bloomed. 2013, 2015, social media seeped into weddings. Oh my God, yes, now everybody's dancing and all of those things, which are almost always a fun experience. Don't get me wrong. 2018, Prince and Meghan got married. And yeah, so far, so good. Anyways, um, interesting. I think I'll just wrap this up by saying, you know, um, everybody wants what they want and it's fine to want what you want. But again, like I think for me and what we try to do in this podcast is taking popular conversations and just trying to, you know, dig into them a bit more and ask the annoying question about why certain things are done. If we question some of the reasons why we do things and, you know, all of those things. Um, there's a whole other chapter of, you know, arranged marriages moving to love matches and how that has influenced what weddings and marriages are like and i think there's so much you can unpack when it, when you think about weddings marriage and everything in between uh but this one this episode was just me like talking through my recent experience and how my perspective about it has changed and to be fair it hasn't changed so much i still want a small wedding um you know and i feel like yeah, I've just reaffirmed certain things by being a part of this one. But I think I'm less likely to not want to be a part of someone's wedding. Like, um, I think yeah, I'm available as a groomsman. That's always a fun thing to do. Like, just, you know, I think I like dancing and doing all those things and all the show of it all sometimes fun. Uh, but 
you know, I think being a guest and doing that is always fine. But me hosting people in that sense, it's just not a pressure that I'm, you know, very comfortable bringing onto myself at the moment. Anyways, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for giving me your ears again. A um, couple of bonus episodes will still come up, you know, for the next couple of weeks. But I think we'll be back in full force in Jan. So hang in there with us. I enjoy this off-season times a bit as well because it gives us time to really, you know, form new thoughts and, you know, find new things to speak about in more deep terms. Um, but anyways, your boys will be back again. Enjoy the December. Everybody is Decembering right now. Um, so yeah, I look forward to seeing everybody's lovely pictures. All the fun things we all get up to and hopefully love remains a core part of everyone's lives in this season. Ciao, ciao. Hey there, thanks for listening to this off-season episode of The Yellow Pill. We're still on a break, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks with new and fresh and exciting content. But before then, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Yellow Pill Pod and on Twitter, yellowpill underscore pod to keep up to date with everything else we're putting up until we come back. See you next week. <laughs>